listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rico, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore. And, Jackson, we are in full swing. Spring is here. Uh, football's in the air. And and it's kind of raining today. So, yeah. How are you doing, Jackson? <laughs> I'm doing well, Lucio. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been good to be out at spring football. We've got nine practices in so far. And uh, it's been exciting to see a lot of familiar faces, a lot of new faces, all these new coaches that have come in that we know so much about, guys that I've interviewed in the past back when I first started, or guys that I were just kind of grew up watching at Bulldog Stadium. So it's been uh, kind of a reunion <laughs> at Bulldog Stadium so far. And, of course, uh, Jeff Tedford being at the, the top seat at the table as the, the head coach again. It's just been really cool to see him. You know, not only back at Bulldog Stadium, but really having an appreciation for just having the opportunity to be back, both health wise and, and you know just the fact that it was open for him to get this off season. Yeah, and and things things are kind of moving along as football is starting to to start feeling more like a reality now that now that we're we're getting into the the period where they're starting to figure things out, and not only that, but they're starting to kind of figure out Fresno State's football schedule right Jackson because as of this morning as we are recording this some breaking news is happening they are changing the season opener date uh, and information so what what's going on with uh, Fresno State's football schedule here yeah uh, we're just about to record and that news broke something I was uh, waiting on here um, that the Bulldogs are moving their season opener from Saturday September 3rd to Thursday September 1st Uh, this is something that Fresno State has done in the past. We, uh, if you remember, in 2013, that big season, they started against Rutgers on a Thursday. Uh, in 2015, they played Abilene Christian on a Thursday um, before Labor Day to open the season. And some schools have done that just to try to get fans in. Um, you know, before the Labor Day weekend, we know a lot of people in the Valley like to go out of town for that weekend or you know, go to the coast or something like that. And so, that's been a strategy before, but I think ultimately this is going to be television driven, which is another big one for Fresno State because their FCS games typically don't get on national television. They're usually streamed online. So this will be a, a chance for the Bulldogs to get that extra game on national TV as well. And it sure doesn't hurt that uh, they're going to have two extra days to get ready for Oregon State. Uh, they'll be starting fall camp a little bit earlier too to correspond with the scheduling change. So um, behind the scenes and, and preparing that there's going to be some advantages for the football team there. There's going to be a lot of fans, I'm sure, that are not excited about this. The, the ones that were not going out of town, the ones that plan to be at Bulldog Stadium on Saturday, um, you know, now you've got to work your, the Thursday game in around a lot of people with their work schedule and things like that. So that's always a little bit of a hassle on the weekday, but um Hopefully it does pay off for some people that now are going to have their full Labor Day weekend open uh, after the Bulldog game. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at it going, really? We're, we're switching an <laughs> FBS opponent to a Thursday? But, it, I mean, it makes sense if you're saying it's going to be a, a televised, uh, televised event. But uh, out of all opponents, Cal Poly? Really? <laughs> It's kind of a head scratcher for me, um, but it is what it is. The game's now going to be in the middle of the week. Uh, I, I like counting Thursday as a middle of the week kind of a kind of a day. Uh, it's it's just odd, but it'll be one of the only games on um, on television for college football, which will work in the Bulldogs' favor because uh, early on in the season, people just want football to be back. They really don't care who's playing who. They just want to see football on television. Um, and it's going to be a good advantage for the Bulldogs, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I counted right now. I saw there's 10 other games that day, but only one other one is on the West Coast. Arizona State's going to play an FCS opponent as well. So basically Thursday night, whoever wants to watch college football that week, uh, they're going to have those two games to pick from on national TV, I would imagine. Um, the Bulldogs were not able to 
or they, you know, there wasn't any clarification right now if the game's going to be on TV because the Mountain West is going to reveal that additional scheduling update uh, within a month or two where they announce with the CBS Sports and the Fox FS1 games which games, uh, other games on the schedule get moved to Friday or Thursday, but I would be uh, very surprised if this game didn't end up on national television based off of uh, the few games that will be played and of course you, know, you look a little closer and see on the West Coast, there's only going to be two games. So uh, Bulldogs should be a shoe in to be on national TV with this move. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be uh, something that's going to ha- uh, work in the Bulldogs' favor, uh, being televised nationally um, uh, on opening game day for the season, which is uh, going to be great for the Bulldogs. Maybe not so great for fans who who are going to be attending, who are already had planned this out. But uh, at least it gives you enough time to kind of change your plans. So uh, things things are starting to gear up, and of course, Jackson spring football has been happening. And of course, you've been out there uh, for most of these practices, and are, have been able to kind of take in what is going on for the Bulldogs and what's your feel so far as you have the opportunity to kind of, kind of gauge what's going on for Fresno state. Yeah. Well, first I want to flip it around because you were out there recently. I said, you got a little more of a fresh take, I think than I do perhaps since I've been out there a little more. Um, so I was curious what you thought, well, what was the feel that you got around there? Uh, well, definitely you can feel a, a, a different type of energy in the air. Um, the players, uh, the players are very upbeat. Um, they they look like they are enjoying themselves. They just can't wait to get back at football. A lot of them are excited to have Coach Tedford back, uh, which was the consensus of what I was feeling uh, from just speaking with people. Uh, and it just it it just feels a little different. I mean, it's not to say that they didn't like the other coaching staff, but when Tedford is there, you're getting a different kind of a sense of what is going on. Uh, players and coaches wise they it's just a different kind of energy don't you uh, do you agree with that Jackson from your take so far yeah definitely uh, I think from the first day and talking to some players at the very beginning you know, there, there was a sense that ever since the bowl game they felt like you know they finished on a good note that they were hungry that they wanted to take things to another level and they just couldn't wait to get the spring ball but then you had all the chaos that was going on during the offseason too um, and the thing that really you know, just re-sparked that plug for Fresno State was that Coach Tedford was hired, and there was a sigh of relief from everyone. The, the large majority of the team had known Coach Tedford. They were played for him, or they were recruited by him and his former coaches, and they knew exactly what they were getting. And there was a small subdivision of the team that you know hadn't you know, that came in only exclusively during the Coach DeBoer season. Uh, a lot of some transfers, you know, some guys that that weren't recruited by Coach Tedford, that maybe didn't have that background. And uh, the message, uh, from my understanding, <laughs> spread pretty quickly that they were going to be in good hands. Uh, some of the older players uh, were a little more familiar with Coach Tedford and the reputation that he has. Uh, some of the younger players I talked to didn't have much of a idea of Tedford at all, except that they maybe saw him come by practice a time or two over the last couple of seasons. Um, but everything's kind of been sorted out behind the scenes, and Probably the coolest thing for me with all that is I talked to a couple of players that were not planning to be back uh, until Coach Tedford got here, and that really sparked their interest in wanting to return or even the option to return. Uh, had a feature feature on Isaiah Johnson, uh, defensive end, Adam Modesto. He's been the kind of a starter off and on, and kind of got uh, lost in the shuffle a little bit defensive end last year since Aaron Mosby <laughs> moved up so quick. And um, he had entered the transfer portal after kind of a run-in with the previous staff and was planning to go to UNLV. And when Coach Tedford got the job, he gave Isaiah Johnson the call that he wanted him to, to come back and be a Bulldog. And uh, he could very well start for Fresno State, not only this year, but because he hit the transfer portal with three games, he had a red shirt, so he'll be eligible for two seasons. So there's quite a few of those stories kind of sprinkled out throughout the roster, some of them a little less publicized, but... Um, and of course, uh, I'm, I'm sure it didn't hurt at all with the whole Jake Hainer situation that Coach Tedford was coming here to, to keep Hainer from making a move. So there's, um, you know, everything is kind of settled in, and now the guys are really focused on the football part, and you really feel that out there in the spring. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it, it is definitely a different feel. Like you, you hit the the nail on the head with the, the chaos that happened. Uh, 
shortly after uh, the football season was over and even before they even went to the bowl games, uh, there was a lot of chaos, uh, a lot of uncertainty. And then just to have Tedford back, I think that solidified a lot of what was going to be happening with this Bulldog uh, team. And uh, certainly a big sigh of relief and a lot of people are happy um, out there at practices and it shows. Um, you just get a, a complete different feel of what's going on out there from from my recent take. But with that, Jackson, I think we're going to get to the meat and potatoes of this podcast. And this is, this is going to be actually a preview of breaking down the Bulldogs so far this spring, uh, position by position. And I, you know, uh, obviously let, let's start off with the head of the monster, the one that had the biggest controversy this off season. And that's the quarterback position. We all know Jake Hayner is returning, uh, but it wasn't without a, a little bit of postseason drama, Jackson. So what can you tell us about what's going on at the quarterback position for the Bulldogs? Yeah, you know, I've got a lot of questions, you know, because Coach Tedford is known as a quarterback guru, and it's how is Tedford, you know, helping progress Hainer's game. And I think more than anything, though, it's been kind of a, a leadership role, uh, more of a mentorship so far. Um, you know, Coach uh, Jake Hainer's been a little more reserved. He's been <laughs> not as quite as fiery as he was before all the drama went <laughs> went down, and. Um, uh, still, with that in mind, he came out on day one of spring practice and declared, you no, know, not in a rah-rah way, but that very calmly, <laughs> their goal is to get to that uh, New Year's Six Bowl game, and he was not hesitant to, to say that. Um, there, He was asked about breaking any records at Fresno State, and he said if he can get the dogs to a New Year's Six game, that uh, it doesn't matter how many touchdowns Derek threw, <laughs> he'll be uh, legendary at Fresno State if he can pull that off, so uh, that's kind of the mindset there. Um, we've seen with Kirby Moore and now as the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator that, you know, again, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if Moore is you know, doing something particular to Hainer's game. I think Hainer is, was in a pretty good spot last season where he was as a college quarterback, but it's been about putting him in positions to succeed and putting the right guys on the field to maximize the, the type of plays and the amount of plays they could run because, of course, we'll get to that soon, but they have so many weapons that running back and receiver and tight end that you know, they're trying to find as many combinations that work the best as possible this spring. And since so many of these players are really polished that you know they don't have to spend too much time working on scheme or on individual progression, it's really just about maximizing the group that they have. And I think that'll show itself in the fall. Um, uh, but probably more importantly for the Bulldogs right now is that backup quarterback job where uh, Logan Fife and Jalen Henderson are battling. They're splitting the reps 50-50. There still hasn't been a lot of um, noted separation between the two, at least the way that it's being described. Um, that They're still battling for the job and they're splitting the reps pretty evenly. Uh, they did bring in Alec Trujillo this spring, who was a three-star quarterback from Memorial. Went to San Jose State on scholarship, went back to junior college, and now he's here as a preferred walk-on. And um, at least at this point, uh, it doesn't sound like he's taking many of those second-team reps. But uh, it would certainly he would have kind of the, the pedigree to if he can work his way up to be a part of that discussion. And as well as looking ahead, I mean, they're going to bring in another three-star guy, Joshua Wood, who was rated even higher than any of the quarterbacks on the Bulldogs roster as a high school recruit. So. Uh, the number two job is going on. It, they're battling it out, and it's not going to stop, I think, until uh, late August. Yeah, and, and when you're looking at these quarterback, uh, this quarterback position, a lot of talent there. Uh, and with the battles happening at uh, for the backup quarterback position, there's got to be a sense of whoever doesn't get that quarterback position may be looking for time elsewhere. Uh, you get that sense, uh, sense Jackson? No, I think that's kind of generally what happens with those things. We have, uh, just thinking that Fresno State's history, there's very rarely been a senior quarterback that didn't start at some point at Fresno State. They typically look elsewhere. But I do think that, you know, because these guys are so young, I mean, if you win the number two job this season, I don't think you're necessarily guaranteed to be the starter in 2023. There's going to be so much time for progression and more competition next year. So I think, 
you know, I, I don't think we're, we'll see much movement until after the 2023 season, because at that point, uh, you are going to see a quarterback um, probably deem himself the starter, and everyone's going to know either how long they're going to have to wait or uh, what their you know, long-term outlook looks like and probably make a move from there. And you know, also in 2023, uh, since we had our last podcast, the Bulldog landed quarterback Jaden Randall from Buchanan High School, a three-star guy who was thought very highly of by Fresno State, and he's going to jump right in that competition as well next year. So uh, another guy that's going to battle for that job, even as a true freshman uh, in 2023. So there's still a, a lot of dominoes to fall, um, but ultimately I, I don't see all four of those guys graduating at Fresno State. It, it just doesn't happen in today's college football landscape. Yeah, it's definitely going to be one of those where it's going to be whoever feels that they're not going to be able to kind of break the starting lineup. They're probably going to start looking elsewhere, but uh, a lot of time still to go as to who is going to uh, solidify themselves as the heir apparent to uh, to the starting role. But that's going to be something we'll have to keep an eye on and see how the, the season progresses. Moving on to the next position, of course, another one that has kind of a little bit of a question mark uh, at the the backup position as well, and that's at the running back position. I mean, we all know who's returning, who's going to be the starter, but the depth behind him is a huge question mark, Jackson. I mean, am I right here, or are you seeing something different? Yeah, the, you know, the Bulldogs haven't... Um you know, they haven't had much experience with the rest of the group, but they've recruited a lot of talent. Um, of course, Jordan Mims is coming back. And before he had the big games last year, you know, we weren't quite sure if he was back to his old self. But after Ronnie Rivers got hurt, of course, he had those three monster games for Fresno State uh, and really proven. You no, know, there's no doubt he's going to start and be a huge piece of the offense this next season. But uh, he, I mean, Touching the ball 30 times like he did is not going to be realistic week to week. We already saw him kind of get worn out a little bit last season doing that two games in a row. Um, he's also does have an injury uh, injury history, and even right now they're being very careful with him in the spring. So you got to make sure you have guys that can both lighten the load for Mims week to week and also be ready to step in if uh, something happens to Mims throughout the course of the season or if he has to take a game off. Um, and the Boise State game was one we didn't see much of him, and they said he was kind of banged up after playing a lot against uh, Nevada and San Diego State. So um, right now, Malik Sherrod is really impressing. Um, he's similar. He has similar measurements with Ronnie Rivers. So uh, I know that was kind of the one-two punch Coach Tedford had in 2017 and 18 with those two guys. That was very successful with Rivers and Mims, and now maybe Sherrod will be the the Rivers of that combination. Uh, of course, he's got a ways to go in his career to get to where Rivers was this past year, but uh, does have a lot of similarities to uh, a young Rivers earlier in his career. Um, Jordan Wilmore, running back from Utah, transfer, was a four-star guy. He's also been pretty close in that mix, um, more of a between-the-tackles runner, and maybe less so of being that open-field kind of guy. So um, there, there could be a role for him as, as well, and uh, there's several others. Um, you've got uh, Jordan Hornbeek and Jonathan Arsenault, the two freshmen who redshirted last year. Uh, Arsenault has been hurt for part of the spring so far, but this is the most reps that they've been getting. Elijah Gilliam, a walk-on as well. And then you've also got Javon Bigelow, an older guy who has been out this spring. So um, I think probably the biggest takeaway from spring so far has been uh, Sherrod and Wilmore probably distancing themselves a little bit and kind of staking their claim as either the number two or number three backs in the the committee next season. Yeah, it's definitely something that the Bulldogs are going to have to kind of get squared away because even with Mims' success, he has been a little bit injury-prone and has gone down more than what the Bulldogs would like. So you got to think that they really need to come up with a solid game plan behind him uh, if that were to be the case, don't you think, Jackson? Yeah, and I mean, that's going to be a big part of this equation for the Bulldogs, um, you know, for this season because Coach Tedford, as we know, has been known as a quarterback whisperer, but he produced a lot of NFL running backs at Cal, and we know he wants to keep things balanced. As we saw, you know, Marcus McMarion 
he probably could have swung things around more than he did uh, at Fresno State, but they were very balanced. They kept it with the passing game and the running game, and it was obviously very successful for Fresno State. And as much as Jake Hayner threw it last year, we know they tried to even dial it back last year. And so, um, yeah, the, the, the goal right now is for this team to be as balanced as possible and to have as few question marks as possible. And that backup running back and the backup quarterback spots are, are two of the big ones. But hopefully it can keep Hayner and Mims out there as much as possible and the question mark won't have to be answered too much. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how who emerges out of that group as as the number two running back, um, because it's gonna be, it's just gonna be fun to watch. These guys are gonna duke it out during spring. Um, after that, you've got the wide receiver position, who is, uh, for lack of a better term, stacked at the wide receiver position as the Bulldogs have, especially with the return of uh, Cropper who uh, there were a lot of rumors flying around on the off season that Cropper was, was going to make the jump to the end uh, to uh, Washington or a jump to the, to the NFL, but elected to stay with the Bulldogs. That's a huge win for the Bulldogs, right? Jackson, as we start uh, spring practice with uh, Cropper there. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, he has missed some of the spring. They've been being a little cautious with him, but, uh, first thing I noticed out there to start spring, we've got a full feature on this on the, the VIP board at barkboard.com, but he was at the outside, uh, outside receiver position. We're used to seeing him be in the slot. And that was one of the things he mentioned as well, or that at least I asked him and he answered, uh, was that if he's on the outside, that could um, kind of expand his game and his film and show NFL scouts what he can do there and increase his um, you know, NFL scout or his uh, you know, draft stock for next season. Uh, he is eligible for a super senior season in 2023, but my best guess is that he'll be, you know, he's already got some of the stats and uh, this could be the year that he you know, polishes things off and improves himself as an NFL guy. But it's going to be pretty exciting uh, if he's on the outside a little bit more. You know, he could be a, a deep threat, uh, show off his speed in a way vertically that he hasn't had the chance to do in the slot as much where he's more of a, you know, playmaker after getting the ball in his hand sometimes or, you know, making the big catches we saw that he made in the end zone, uh, on uh, in the red zone kind of thing. But um, that that's a big dimension that they're adding. And then they also added Nico Remigio, a transfer from Cal in the slot. So that gives Cropper some more freedom to move around. You've got Remigio now as a slot receiver. You've got Eric Brooks, who just keeps improving and proving himself as a, a really solid player for the Bulldogs in the slot too. And you only lose one receiver from the six-man rotation you had last year, Carrick Wheatfall on the outside. You've got Zane Pope, Josh Kelly, Ty Jones. Ty Jones is having a really good spring. Uh, they're all back. And you've still got some other guys like Amoria Edwards, like Max Elena, that are really just knocking on the door trying to find a spot to contribute. And you know they will sooner or later, but as you mentioned, it's stacked right now. So uh, I there's been a few guys that have missed some time in the spring, and there's been some other guys that have taken advantage. As mentioned, uh, Jones has been really active this spring. Uh, Pope has been in the spotlight a little bit more, and we all know what Josh Kelly can do. So, um, yeah, I think the biggest thing right now, as mentioned earlier, is just finding out w- which guys <laughs> to put on the field, what combination, which spot, and you know what produces the most yards and points uh, in the spring that they can kind of carry over and mold the offense around in the fall yeah so the the wide receiver position is going to be interesting i'd like i just want to see how they're going to be utilizing cropper if he becomes a deep threat uh it could change the way this offense looks dramatically um back to the kind of like the the days when when Derek carr was here to Devonte adams that the those two were just lightning lightning in a bottle who are reuniting right now in the NFL as well but the same thing could kind of happen here again uh now with Cropper moving to the outside do you, do you see uh, him giving a lot of teams trouble at that new position Jackson yeah the, the biggest thing he pointed out is that you know he's got elite speed and we've seen it in certain capacities but just being able to run straight down the field and get catching the bombs. That's not something he's been able to get the opportunity to do much of the slot. And you think back to like Jalen Saunders in the early 2010s, where 
he was on the outside and he would just run straight. <laughs> uh, he was number two in the nation in yards per catch. He would just burn corners and catch those deep passes. And if you're doing that, you've got to bring a safety over and, and bring more attention to that receiver. So um, if Cropper can do some of those same things, then that opens up things for the rest of the receivers and the running backs when he's not making the catches himself. Yeah, so it uh, it's going to be interesting to see just how that develops, but it could make this uh, this offense a little bit more dangerous uh, by moving him to the outside. So hopefully that is going to be the the outcome of what we're going to see this season uh, with moving Cropper to the outside. But moving on, the tight end position. Now, this is a position that Tedford utilized quite a bit while he was here. Um, kind of got lost in the shuffle with the new coaching staff. But uh, do you think Coach Tedford looks to kind of reignite what the the tight end position is all about here at Fresno State? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because last time around, Kalen DeBoer came in here and we know he was a tight ends guy and they really emphasized that. And in 2019, after DeBoer uh, left for to be, be the offensive coordinator at Indiana, we didn't see it quite as much in the offense that season. Uh, Jared Rice's numbers decreased quite a bit. Um, but we do know that Jeff Tedford wants the tight end position to be involved. They're going to recruit it uh, pretty significantly. And uh, I think it's just going to be a matter of what personnel they have to work with to see, see how significantly they're going to be catching passes. And with all the receivers Fresno State has right now, it's going to be tough for that group. But you do have Raymond Powell as a super senior. Uh, he's made some plays for the Bulldogs, and he's got a lot more in his receiving arsenal that he's yet to show from what I've seen in practice. And you've also got Trey Watson, who you know, you're probably not going to hear his name much this spring because he's hurt right now. He's out. He's going to miss all the spring. So uh, we saw how excited the previous staff was about him last fall. And they tried to get him involved as much as possible. And we saw him make a few plays, but with all of the, the talent at receiver, it was tough for him to get a whole lot of targets. So uh, you do have John Baxter back. He's coaching the tight ends now along with special teams. And we know he's a, a veteran at that position as well. So I think the future is bright for the tight ends. It's just they may have to wait their turn a little bit longer this year. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see just what they'll be able to do with this tight out, tight end position uh, with what they have, uh, but uh, it, it could it could mean uh, the difference in some games if they have somebody in there who can who can really kind of get open in situations where you kind of need the tight end to do that because there's a lot of times where there's going to be a lot of attention on these wide receivers and uh, the tight end can kind of slip in there and, uh, and get away with some, uh, some key catches in the game. Um, but of course, none of that's all, none of that's going to mean anything if the, if uh, the quarterback isn't standing up straight, right, Jackson. So uh, we're going to head into the the next position, which is the offensive line, a, a real integral part in this whole thing. And uh, don't you think to kind of keep the, the quarterback, standing straight up and making sure that ball can be passed, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, the Bulldogs have been struggling. So uh, at the offensive line in the last few years, what have you seen? Is there any hope at the at the, the light at the end of the tunnel here maybe? Yeah, you know, it, it hasn't been pretty this spring from my understanding. Oh, no. and <laughs> so, But part of that is just the personnel. I mean, Dante Bull had a procedure, from my understanding, this offseason, so he's not practicing right now, who you imagine is probably going to be in the starting lineup. Um, Daniel Kamalolo, who they recruited as a junior college uh, mid-year transfer, who is going to compete for a spot. Uh, he started the spring with the first team and has had a little bit of an injury as well, so he's been absent for most of the practices so far. You've got two more junior college recruits that have signed that were not able to get in for the spring. And you have a division one transfer committed um, from the big 10. So, I mean, theoretically you could have three or four guys starting on that O line next fall that aren't even wearing pads at Fresno state right now. So uh, the, the light, the, the optimism is that probably the guys that are uh, taking a lot of these reps are, are going to get more competition before the season starts. But um, you do have mostly Vavaro back in that lineup right now. He's the, you know, the most veteran player that they have in the spring. They've got 
guys like Braylon Nelson and um, uh, Torian Penwright playing a lot at the tackle positions. Also, I didn't even mention Bula Schmidt, who started most of the last season at center, uh, banged up his ankle in the first week of practice, so he's been out. Um, the uh, kind of silver lining there is that Tyrone Sampson has gotten a lot of reps, so he's getting a chance to prove himself. We all know he came here as a four-star talent, and that if he can get on the field, it would uh, be nice to see that translate for the Bulldogs on Saturdays, that, that big recruiting get that they got uh, in the 2019 class or 18 class, excuse me. So, um, yeah, the, 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 the offensive line is a work in progress. You've got Coach Saga Tuatelli in there now uh, coming in here from Army, and he is um, trying to put get the O-line into shape as quickly as he can, but just simply the, the personnel is going to look so much different when they get to fall camp than it does right now, and uh, hopefully that means that the O-line will be uh, a little more successful than uh, it's going right now. Uh, hopefully, because you kind of you kind of scared me there when you said it didn't look pretty so far. So <laughs> we, we, we kind of need the quarterback standing up straight uh, and and avoid some of that punishment that he received last season, because uh, everybody goes back to that uh, UCLA game where he was hobbling around quite a bit, and we really don't want to see that happening uh, early on in the season. Of course. Um, all right, now flipping the core of the coin and we're going to the other side of the ball uh let's start off with the defensive line uh who of in in retrospect we need them to go after the quarterback so what <laughs> what what have you seen so far with the the defensive line yeah the bulldogs have jethro franklin back on the d line as the assistant coach and that's been pretty cool to see uh he's very vocal with the guys that it's been that's one of the more fun groups to watch at, at practice and um, this is an interesting group too because they lose a lot of experience, but they also return a lot of experience. Which, you know, historically, when you lose some guys like Aaron Mosby, like Kevin Atkins, who have been starters for so long, guys like Kwame Jones, who have been, you know, back and forth, first and second team, uh, Ryan Bame, who filled in last year, got some starts at tackle. When you lose those kind of guys, the cupboard's usually bare the next season at most Mountain West schools. But with the super seniors, with the transfers, with Tedford's recruiting, I mean, uh, things are looking pretty solid right now. You've got David Perales, of course, back as a, a star at defensive end. You've got Leonard Payne back at tackle. You've got Evan Bennett as well, who transferred from Oregon State and played quite a bit for the Dogs last season. Uh, they were able to get Isaiah Johnson back at the other end. So, I mean, starting lineup looks pretty solid. Um, also, the second team is filled with guys that uh, ultimately played quite a bit of reps as uh, second team players last season. So there's a lot of experience. Um, they brought in as well a junior college recruit, uh, Johnny Hudson, at defensive tackle. Uh, he's competing to try to be in that too deep as well. And they've got a transfer from Stanford, Joshua Pacola, coming in in the fall. So, I mean, they're going to be well-stocked at D-line. And they've got an experienced veteran coach where um, – you know, it's hard to see that group uh, not stepping up this next season with what they've got to, to work with. And uh, by all accounts, um, so far the spring has been going good for them. Well, that's good news because last year Bulldogs uh, did have a, a, a very talented defensive line. And just to hear that the Bulldogs are going to have more of that same kind of uh, talent uh, being plugged right in should make for things a little bit easier for the defense because it all starts down at the defensive line. If they can put pressure on the quarterback, then they can force mistakes, which then helps everybody else, uh, which the next group of guys, also another key part of that whole thing is the linebacker group. And typically one of Fresno State's strengths, how are they looking so far this year? Yeah, part of it is just wondering how many linebackers are going to be out there because uh, the Bulldogs ran that four-two-five the last two seasons. And, um, of course, we kind of thought they probably wouldn't be. It's more of a specialized defense that Coach uh, Inge was running for the Bulldogs the last two years and not exactly what the Bulldogs ran under Coach Tedford previously. Um, but they have been keeping some of those principles. It sounds like the Bulldogs are going to be pretty multiple with their defense and that um, the four two five could be a big part of that. So just looking at what they have to work with, it's a lot of the same players. Um, 
Lavelle Bailey leading the, the group, but the Bulldogs had the one-year transfer Tyson Maeva last year. They replaced him with Raymond Scott from USC, who uh, seems to be bringing a lot of the same attributes. I mean, he's a an older guy, a bit of a leader. He's more of a probably a physical linebacker. He's one of the more muscular and, and thicker bodies in the group, and um, probably not the fastest, but it's going to be a guy like Maeva who can command the defense a bit, who can bring down the big tackles and um, hopefully he can be a little more um, a little more stable than perhaps in Maeva. Maeva was not able to finish the season last year. His injuries took their toll. So um, Scott, I mean, he has a lot of potential and he was a guy that probably would have played at USC this year. He was contributing the last two years, but this was a chance for him to start at Fresno State and Right now, he's competing for that opportunity. Him and Malachi Langley are probably the next two linebackers up after Lavelle Bailey. And, uh, of course, a lot of fans are excited to see what Tyler Mello can do. And he's pretty close in there, but he has uh, had an injury this spring, too. So he's been a little limited and not able to, to practice the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so the, things are progressing nicely. Um but there's also one more position, I, because this is the this is the position Jackson where I'm always kind of confused of where to throw them in. It's the nickelback, technically linebacker position, right? But we need to speak about them as well. So how to how do we fit those guys in there? Yeah, I mean, even before it was kind of a hybrid position, <laughs> and they're still trying to figure out exactly where. I, I, I don't I don't know what to to call them, but I just we just call them the nickelback and we go from there. <laughs> so yeah. how do they how are they gonna figure into all this this big old puzzle? Yeah, you know, right now they they've tried to use I think last year's defense is kind of a baseline of teaching this, the new scheme that President State's gonna have. So um the nickelbacks are still gonna be their own position. Uh, they've got a new coach, Jim Nelson, and um He's been on the staff as a support coach the last two years, but now he's a full-time assistant. And um, they've got the same five players there, so they haven't moved any of the previous nickelbacks to linebacker or safety or anything like that. So uh, right now it's kind of a status quo for that group, which has been a little surprising. Um, but we'll see if that uh, continues to carry over or how they evolve. We do know um, eventually this is probably going to be a defense that from week to week could be a four, two, five, could be a four, three, could be a three, four. So, um, there's still a lot of moving pieces, but, um, it has been good at least to see these specialized players that have excelled there. Guys like Justin Houston and Amari Pate, also guys that have a lot of eligibility still to play, um, that they may not get squeezed into a role that's uh, not as fitting for them. They may be able to keep doing what they've been doing. And that's kind of the, the vibe we're getting from spring so far. Well, that's good. It's uh, because de- definitely uh, it is a position that not too many people are familiar with, and we're uh, I'm still kind of getting used to how that whole thing works. But it, it if it fits for the the scheme that the Bulldogs want to run, uh, hopefully they have the the pieces to plug in there uh, and make it work the way they want it to work. Now, another position: the Fresno State defensive backs. Usually, either a hit or a miss with the Bulldogs over the over uh, the history of Fresno State. How do you see it this year, Jackson? Hit or a miss? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, definitely safety. You feel good that you've got Evan Williams and um, Elijah Gates coming back. I mean, they were a solid uh, combo last year, and uh, they will continue to be in my belief. And you've also got a couple other guys, Kosi Aguina. You've got. Uh, LJ Early and perhaps if Stephen Comstock can contribute as well, uh, he's as healthy as he's been in a long time. So um, the, the safeties are, are definitely solid. Uh, they're probably going to be asked to do some different things. It sounds like they might be a little more um, roaming this year and, and able to maybe ball hawk a little more than they had the chance to do in the, the previous defense. So that's exciting. We know Evan Williams and Elijah Gates too. Gates had a, uh, quite a few interceptions at UCLA. So they might be even better, uh, at least statistically, in, uh, in terms of playmaking this year than they were last year, if, if that's all the case. Um, cornerbacks uh, will be uh, one to watch, definitely. Um, the Bulldogs do lose Deron Bland, who uh, ran out of eligibility after one year at Fresno State as a transfer. 
and also uh, Wayland Free has transferred to Hawaii. Um, but the Bulldogs do have their own Hawaii transfer. They brought in Cameron Mockridge, who was a starter there for two years. Um, haven't gotten the key in on a lot of his game yet, but you imagine the fact that he started at Hawaii uh, should be a good uh, chance for him to start at Fresno State, too. And it um, shouldn't be much of a transition for him since he did spend a year at Ridley College. Uh, the Bulldogs also have Braylon Lux back. Uh, they have uh, Kale Sanders back, who really impressed last year as a true freshman when he got the job, uh, the chance to start. So um, they've got three um, pretty experienced, pretty solid cornerbacks to work with. They've got quite a few young players as well that are trying to fight for a spot in the two deep and a couple other freshmen still to come. So uh, I think we'll keep seeing a cornerback kind of a rotation. Um, they've got uh, a few solid players and they kind of rotate guys in and out as they're hot or cold. If a guy gets beat deep, uh, he's probably going to hit the bench and the next guy's going to come in. <laughs> and uh, the Bulldogs were able to use that rotation, I think, successfully enough last year to where um, the cornerbacks weren't getting beat too bad and or, or too often, I should say. And even uh, the year prior, uh, when Braylon Lux was out there um, just about every game, he was really solid uh, that season. Uh, aside from the Nevada game in the COVID season, like all the the defense rarely ever got beat deep, and that's mostly cornerback play. So I think they're going to have uh, enough there if they can stay healthy and they can um, get what is expected out of those top three guys. Yeah, so that's going to be uh, that's going to be interesting to watch because I, I the where the Bulldogs typically would struggle would be at the uh, the corner position over the last few years. Um, the the safeties position was never really in question, uh, but the the cornerbacks and with the the switching of these pieces, do you think they're going to have the chemistry that that can make this a real special type of a defense? Uh, possibly. I mean, that's, I think it's going to be neat to see how they mold it because as you mentioned, it's about getting the right combination and the chemistry and the Bulldogs are trying to find the best 11 guys. And that's what they did back in 2017. I mean, coach Tedford, he hired coach Orlando Steinauer to be his defensive coordinator. And the whole plan was to be multiple as a defense to run a lot of different schemes, a lot of different formations. And they basically found 11 guys that played perfect as a 4-3 defense, and they never really strayed away from it. So um, for those uh, for 2017 and then 2018, too. Um, so if the Bulldogs can find the right 11 guys, I think um, probably it's going to be more of that 4-2-5 kind of look. And uh, I think as long as you've got solid cornerback play as well, which I think they've got on paper three guys that can pull it off, uh, that should be a very competent defense. And uh We'll see if they can kind of make that next step to where deep Fresno State was so good defensively and Coach Tedford's uh, two years of the three the last time around. Yeah, and that's going to be be fun to watch if they can mold this this defense together and put them all in the right places and just as long as they they have the right type of chemistry, it could be a very good defense for the Bulldogs, which would uh, ultimately change how. Uh, how the Bulldogs are perceived uh, altogether. I mean, if you have a good defense and a good offense, uh, sky's the limit for the Bulldogs. And this year, they're being touted as having one of the the potential to have one of the biggest seasons uh, for the Bulldogs. So only time will tell. the The key question is Jackson. the The key thing is they all have to come out of spring practice healthy. Right, Jackson. <laughs> we've we've seen this way too many times where the the, the Bulldogs seem to ha- be loaded and have all the the pieces that they need, and then a slew of injuries happen, and the Bulldogs are scrambling to try and figure out what to do next. I mean, that's that's got to be in the back of their minds right now. Yeah, um, fortunately, there haven't been any uh, significant injuries in the spring. Uh, all the guys I mentioned as being out or limited have been pretty much either minor injuries in the spring or just precautionary things. A bunch of the receivers were out for like a week and they said they were just being uh, careful about their hamstrings. And so uh, a little something that I'm not used to hearing out there at practice, but they've been pretty careful. And then the guys, Dante Bull and Trey Watson, who have started the spring already out are are on track to be back in the fall. And um, so it's really about the key guys that, you could see a big drop off and if they could get hurt, of course, 
Jake Hayner, if it's Jordan Mims, I mean, that could be a pretty drastic change with the next guy in from there. Um, I think defensively, uh, in pretty much every other position, you don't see it as much. Um, and we'll see if the O-line, if, if there's a big difference between the newcomers and the returners, if that's something to watch. But um, I think right now, uh, with Coach Tedford in there, the way that he builds his roster, uh, they've been very good about establishing depth, and it's only easier right now with the transfer portal and with the super seniors. But uh, there are just a couple of spots that uh, would be really hard to replace, and unfortunately, I don't see too many of them on the roster. But there's a couple. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting just to, to keep an eye on everybody, making sure everybody stays healthy and moving into the season. But that brings us now to the last portion of the overview and of course not one that gets much attention usually the special teams jackson uh at the kicker and punter position what do you see happening there uh bulldogs had some success last season can they build upon that yeah um bulldogs have one kicker and one punter right now carson king back at punter and abraham montano who um, we saw him just fill in spectacularly last season for a couple of games for Cesar Silva, made all those kicks at Oregon, and then was able to even get back off the field and, and retain his redshirt year. So that worked out perfectly for him. And so there's a lot of um, a lot of hope that he's going to continue where he left off this season. But uh, right now when you have John Baxter, I mean, uh, as your special teams coordinator, uh, you're, these guys are learning, I'm sure, some things that they've never heard from other coaches. I mean, this guy is as good as it gets as a special teams coach. He's got just a ton of experience. The Bulldogs were one of the best special teams programs in the nation throughout the 2000s when he was leading that unit. And so uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, small details and intricacies that are just going to go a long way for those players. Also returns. I mean, I, we, I talked with Coach Baxter as well, and um, it was funny because he was talking about how every week they would spend so much time trying to set up particular schemes and game plans on how to make punt returns and kick returns happen for touchdowns. And that he was told there hasn't been a kick return, I believe, since he was here last <laughs> for a touchdown. And like there hasn't been a punt return for like almost a decade. And he was just uh, baffled that uh, no one's been able to pull it off and how um, that it is a little more difficult now with some of the rules, but that, I mean, that's something they're going to be working on, not just in the spring, but every week <laughs> to try to make some plays happen on that third phase of the game. They also brought in Nico Remigio, as mentioned, that slot receiver who was the, not just a slot receiver, but he was also a kick returner for Cal punt returns too. So there's a chance the Bulldogs to get a big upgrade there. And I think you're just going to see a lot of improvements as far as the small things on kick blocks and punt blocks and, coverage um there's no reason to think that there's not going to be a lot of improvement and it's um some of those things that are just hard to pinpoint and give credit to any one player but um there i think you're going to see quite a transformation on that side of the ball uh, this season yeah that's uh something that has been missing for fresno state has been uh the uh the electricity at uh, special teams, especially in the return game, uh, where in the past we've seen people, uh, players like Clifton Smith, who would electrify uh, a game just by being back there and posing a threat to return uh, a kick on just about every every time he touched the ball, uh, and so. To kind of bring that excitement back would be would be something great for the fans, because I don't know Jackson, but for the last few years, all we've seen is them fair catching a a punt or <laughs> or whatever, and it's kind of disappointing sometimes when you're like, "Come on, go for it," and it's a fair catch. <laughs> so, are you kind of getting that same feeling where it was kind of like they they didn't want to chance it, so they were just fair catching it every single time? Yeah, and also, I mean, Ronnie Rivers has handled a lot of the punts, and even if he had a lane, it's like you didn't want him to put his body at risk on a return because some of those hits can be pretty nasty on punt returns. So um, I, I think Romijo is going to be a, a perfect fit where you know he's going to be a big part of the offense, but it's not going to be uh, – he's going to be wanting to contribute on special teams too, and he's got a good history of returning kicks, returning punts, and – 
he's going to be kind of a one-year fill-in uh, kind of this year as a graduate transfer. And then we'll see what uh, what is in store for Fresno State after that. But he's already got a history of returning uh, kicks and punts for touchdowns. He, I think he even had two or three. You know, of course, I, I do some coverage for Cal for 24-7 sports too. And I've watched him return multiple kicks that got called back for holding that it probably wouldn't have mattered if the holding was there. He was going to score, but it doesn't go in the stat book, of course. So uh, he's got a couple of touchdown returns on his resume, and he probably deserves a couple of more that got taken away from him. Yeah, so it would be nice to kind of see some of that come back where Fresno State can uh, would uh, at least try to return a kick for once. Uh, um, you know, that of course that's just my opinion, Jackson. Uh, you know, I'd like to see more returns happen more often, but uh, I, I'm not the one out there coaching. So, uh, but that that pretty much does it for a recap of what happened uh, so far for spring football. Uh, but it doesn't mean it's the end of our podcast. We wanted to kind of touch base a little bit upon what Fresno State basketball has been able to accomplish this past season and how the whole thing ended. And Jackson, I'm going to turn it over to you and you go for it and kind of give a breakdown as to what's going on with Fresno State basketball. Yeah, we saw the end of uh, the season that took um, several more weeks than we initially expected. <laughs> excuse me um the bulldogs were you know they got to the basketball classic it, they played four games they won them all they won the championship and looking at the competition that's kind of what we anticipated but each game was pretty much a blowout even the semifinals and the finals finals on the road at coastal carolina where um the bulldogs were only favored by three points or four points i believe and they just uh took care of business there by a large margin um, but the exciting thing about the basketball classic, um, because the tournament itself, I mean, it's not a very prestigious thing for fans to, you know, kind of thump their chest about or anything like that, but it was cool for them to win. But it's more about investing in your team in the future. And the Bulldogs not only saw um, some players uh, step up, but more so the younger players, guys like Destin Whitaker. He made more three-pointers in the last three games than he did the entire season. <laughs> and so uh, we know that that's what he was brought here to do. And it was just more about confidence than anything else. And he kind of unlocked the key in this basketball classic and these games. So that's something where, you know, if the season when they ended after the Mountain West tournament, you look at Dustin Whitaker and think, you know, what, what's this guy's role going to be next year? Is he guess going to be more at the end of the bench? And now you think, man, this guy, He's a floor spacer. He's a three-point shooter. He's a guy we got to get the ball to. Potentially a starter if you know if he can space the floor out better than some of the guys that started this past year. And so you had guys like him. You had guys like Braxton Mia play some big minutes, some big plays in the basketball classic. Was able to um, work out some of the kinks. Uh, was able to play a little bit more without uh, the short leash that he had at some times during the season. Um, Donovan Yap as well, uh, another sophomore who um, got a little more comfortable in the basketball classic. And Leo Calamario, even, who started all season, um, he had his best basketball in the last three or four games, too. So uh, that group that not only has two more years, they've got three more years because of the COVID waiver. Uh, I mean, this could be kind of the launching point for them and kind of the long-term success of the program. Um, but as far as this uh, upcoming off season. We'll see how the roster transforms. All eyes are on Orlando Robinson, of course, who himself, I mean, he as good as the other players did, he certainly led the dogs through the basketball classic, and it would be a big deal if it was able to come back. We do know he's basically um, fully pursuing the NBA draft at this point, but is not going to make a final decision until he knows where he stands, if he's in good shape to get guaranteed NBA money, or if... Um, if he's kind of on the, the verge or if he's out of that you know, late second round area, perhaps where the contracts aren't as guaranteed, uh, he might be wanting to come back to college instead for another year. So that's still out there. We'll see that um, could still be a topic through about June when the deadline is. And then, um, then it's up to Fresno state to really use the transfer portal to try to build up its roster even better next season um, we do know they're looking at junior college players at d1 transfers and they do have jojo hunter coming in as a four-star high school recruit uh, so there's some optimism if they can get 
a couple more pieces that are older, that are veteran guys that could be starting players. Um, you, know, you hope Jamal Baker can be healthy and start. I think it would have been a much different season this year if that was the case. But uh, they've got to fill in this roster uh, with the thought that maybe he's going to be dealing with that again next year too. So I would look for a guard or two, um, a front court player potentially to replace Robinson. And uh, that's going to be a big part of this offseason. And we know um, they're going to be all in on making this roster uh, ready to compete right now. Uh, for 2022-2023, that's the, the plan right now. And Coach Hudson has got two years on his contract. You rarely see a coach on a contract year. So everything's kind of all in right now where the Bulldogs were pretty close to being uh, an NIT or an NCAA team. Uh, they were they were not too far off. And if they can get the pieces, uh, they could make it happen this next season. And it's kind of a show-me year for Coach Hudson as well if uh, that's the long-term direction of the program or if they want to kind of start over. Well, there you have it, folks. Jackson and his basketball (laughs) breakdown. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, it it seems like it was uh, something that was, uh, even though it was disappointing they didn't make it to the the NCAA tournament, they did uh, have a lot of success uh, in the other tournament by basically winning the whole thing right jackson so bulldogs are in a unique position of having a lot of success and actually getting extra games for the rest of the team which is kind of a bonus in itself because that means more training more experience and uh, will help kind of uh, develop this team even further Uh, am, am i off jackson or or does that kind of have a little bit to do with it yeah, even Coach Hudson kind of compared being in this tournament to being like a football team in a, a random bowl game, <laughs> the quote he gave. And um, the thing about those random bowl games is that the teams that are consistently going to them that get those extra 15 practices um, every off season. I mean, they're the teams that are consistently at the tops of their conference. And that's something I've heard from San Jose State. You know, they had a good year in 2020, but... Um, they haven't quite had the consistency and they said, well, look at Fresno state, look at Boise state, look at San Diego state. These teams are always getting this extra time to develop and carry over seasons. And that's something that they're trying to accomplish. And you don't really think about it as basketball. It's kind of all or nothing on the big dance, but Fresno state not only um, got some extra games to develop, they played, they had practice for an extra three weeks, four weeks, almost (laughs) They were one of the last six teams still playing basketball. And so, um, you know, I, and that's where I think you saw some of those players really try to start to step up. They were able to do a little different things in practice, maybe not take it as seriously, be a little more loose. And uh, I think it, it all paid off. And of course, as mentioned, uh, it's not about the, the basketball classic trophy as being the payoff of being in that tournament that uh, they had to kind of pay in to get to. But it's about investing in your team in the future and based on what we saw in those four games, I I think it could pay off. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it equates to, like you said, college football, when you've got a a late bowl game, you you get those additional practices, you get that additional uh, time uh, with the players, which helps in the development. Uh, And so that's kind of how the Bulldogs uh, had treated it. And uh, hopefully it's going to pay off in dividends uh, later on uh, going into next season. Uh, that being said, Jackson, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up the show? Yeah, um, we've got spring football. They're on spring break right now, but they will come back for six more dates, and then they'll conclude with the April 30th uh, spring preview, uh, which is also coinciding with Vintage Days and a baseball series. They're having a tailgate party, so that's going to be a fun one. But just because the Bulldogs are off doesn't mean that uh, – we won't have spring football coverage. We've got a lot of interviews. We've kind of stockpiled up and a lot of stories that will be coming out this week from spring practice as well. Uh, so stay tuned to BarkBoard.com for that and to the VIP board where we'll have some exclusive interviews. And we've got um, intros, uh, introductions with some of the new coaches so far already and some more that will be posted here soon. So those are always exciting ones um, when we finally get to talk to these guys uh, that are hired in the off season. And there's a lot of them, of course, this year with Coach Tedford. Uh, so that's been fun. And, and so head over to blockboard.com. Um, 
you're not a VIP subscriber, we've got a couple of deals. You can get your first month for just a dollar, or you can get your first year for 30% off and uh, give us a, a try there. All right. And there you have it, folks. So with that being said, if you want to look for Jackson, you can find him at Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. Uh, as always, check us out on Facebook. We've got our own page there uh, for thebarkboard.com. Um, and as always, if you're not a member yet over at thebarkboard.com, make sure you become a premium subscriber uh, because that is where all the latest news and updates are posted before it it really reaches the mainstream out there. Uh, and usually we have information before the media does. So if that doesn't entice you, I don't think anything will. So with that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.